Here now the Easter story from the Gospel according to Luke's account, chapter 24, verse 1 through 12. And on this day, would you stand for the reading of the Gospel story? Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, the women went to the tomb, bringing the fragrant spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They didn't know what to make of this. Suddenly, two men were standing beside them in gleaming bright clothing. The women were frightened and bowed their faces toward the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He isn't here, but has been raised. Remember what he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the human one must be handed over to sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words. When they returned from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Their words struck the apostles as nonsense, and they didn't believe the women. But Peter ran to the tomb, and when he bent over to look inside, he saw only the linen cloth. Then he returned home, wondering what had happened. Here ends the reading. May God grant us courage and wisdom for interpretation. Let the people say, thanks be to God. Please be seated. Now what we just read is the resurrection story according to Luke's gospel. I want to call your attention to just one detail. Okay, maybe two. Hear this phrase again from our reading. Suddenly, two men were standing beside them. Now, I want you to know something. I've never been one of these preachers that likes to hide anything. I want you to know what I know. You may already be aware of this, but in case you are not, I want you to know that the other three gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and John's gospels, report this differently. Most scholars believe Mark is the oldest of the four gospels, and Mark says the women saw one young man dressed in a white robe, just one man. The gospel according to Matthew says that the women were greeted by an angel of the Lord descending from heaven. Now, that sounds different still, doesn't it? And the gospel of John, which most believe was written significantly later than all of these other three gospels, says that Mary was greeted by two angels in white, along with the cameo appearance of the risen Christ. You see, from oldest to latest, this story seems to grow as it gets told. Now, what exactly is going on here, and why in the world would you burst our bubble right off the top of the sermon, preacher? 
I mean, how can we, you know, some of us show up to Easter and it's all we can do because the whole story is so unbelievable to us. And how can we trust the legitimacy of such a story which seems to have contradictions in such plain sight right there on the pages of the Bible for those of us who are willing to read it? It's almost enough to make us agree with the male disciples who, after hearing the women report what they had seen firsthand, responded, that's nonsense. Now, if you get nothing else today, this could be my sub-sermon, and maybe you like this better than everything else I have left to say, but Easter 101, at least according to Luke's gospel, and I think this still preaches today, believe the women. Believe the women. I could go stop right there, but I'm not. It's Easter. Felt cute this morning, might preach for two hours, I don't know. <laughs> Before we get sidetracked, what is going on with these Gospels having all these different details and growing as the Easter story is told over time, it appears? Is it a contradiction? I mean, I suppose technically you could say it is, but you know what I prefer to call it? The jazz of Easter. It's jazz, you know. Improvisation. Now, I was a music major in college, and I'm still a music nerd, Trumpet was my instrument. I was pretty good at playing classical music, you know, where all of the notes were carefully written out on a score for me. I was also a pretty good lead trumpet player in the jazz band, which means I could stand at the back of the band where the trumpet players do, because you know, they're just too cool for the rest of everybody, the way that we act back there. That's trumpet player code. <coughs> I could play loud high notes, you know, I, I could do that as long as they were all on the page for me. Sometimes I'd get so excited, I want to play so loud and so high that it would make all the blood rush right to my head and I'd look like I was transforming into a human tomato and I might burst. But when you play the lead trumpet part, all the notes are written out for you. There's really not a lot of improvising except with the occasional surprise. You're not improvising normally, but the second trumpet player. Now I never had the guts to be the second trumpet player because in most jazz bands they're the trumpet players who get these solos, these things where the notes are not on the page always. You just have a chord and you say, choose your own notes. You gotta improvise, which after all is what makes jazz so jazzy. Because the soloists have to find their own notes and they have to use their own God-given creativity and ability to improvise. Now for me, I found it terrifying to even think of having to improvise, but for a truly talented jazz soloist, this is what makes jazz jazz. The improv improvisation required can be both frightening, as it was to me, or freeing if a person has the guts to just let it rip. What's going on here, though, with these four Gospels having these different details? It's jazz. It's a little improvisation, a little creativity, as the story is told. There's nothing malicious about the details being slightly different from Matthew to Mark or from Luke to John or to any other. And the truth is there is no such thing as improvisation without a melody. The melody, the bass line notes are the same 
And the same could actually be said whether you're talking about jazz music or whether you're talking about Bach or Beethoven or, or even Dixieland. Each type of music flows in and out of a major theme, so there has to be a, a major theme, a recognizable melody, or else the improvisation will just be unrecognizable gobbledygook. These four resurrection reports in these four different books we categorize as gospels with a little g are just improvisations on the big G gospel. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. What is central and what is non-contradictory is the main theme of a risen Christ. And then you see like skilled jazz musicians, each gospel writer adds grace notes. They add runs. They're improvising a bit. You know, like angels or like crescendos like an earthquake or codas like the appearance of the risen one, all of which push and pull on the main melodic theme that death doesn't get the final word. That nothing, not life, nor death can separate us from the love of God and that there is always much more to life than just what meets the eye. The four Gospels... They're just showing off the jazz of Easter. It's a story too good to stay small and confined to the printed notes on any script or page. It is a living, breathing story that is still being written by those of us who follow the way of Jesus. Your eyes may have missed these details before. Your ears may not have known what you were listening to before. But let me introduce you, my friends. Behold the jazz of Easter. The churches I attended in my childhood were anything but jazzy or improvisational. And the truth is, a lot of today's Americanized evangelical far-right fundamentalist flavored groups which call themselves Christians which actually sometimes make me embarrassed to call myself Christian if I'm going to be defined by their narrow, often judgmental readings of the Bible and the ways that they view humanity. Well, let's just say some ways of being Christian are less jazzy than others. Uh, they don't improvise much in these circles. Everything's written out note by note like a hardline script, only you get punished for improvising. There's no room for error or departure from expectation, you know, from the score. You, you won't hear people in these circles talking about the differences in these four accounts of the Easter story because they believe the Bible was dictated usually by a very deep manly voice coming down from the clouds, articulating every syllable and sentence, and that some human beings just were basically taking dictation and writing it all down. That's supposed to be inspiration? Oh, I think it's depressing. Because these doctrines are all def well defined and usually by human beings trying to take the place of God and clearly spell it out. But God said, you know, here, here's how some people live their lives, and it's fine. I, I don't judge them for it. They say, well, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. And if you don't believe it, well, you know, if you do believe it all, just like they say, well, you're in. If you don't believe it all, just like they say, well, you're out. And by out, let's just be honest, I mean out, as in cast out into an unending conscious pit of hell where you'll forever be tormented at the hands of an angry God in a literal burning place of fire. 
Now, this kind of thinking among Christians is still so common today. I think we all have a basic concept, even from just looking around, of what it means to be a fundamentalist Christian, a literalist Christian, a doctrinal, dogmatic Christian, a, quote, Bible-believing Christian. It actually requires very little courage or creativity for me to be that kind of Christian. You see, everything, as I've said, is all written out. It's all scripted. Just follow the script, but don't stand out from the crowd too much. But there's a really important question facing those of us who want a more loving expression of our faith. For those of us who see that our duty as a Christian to be loving, to be creative, to be kind, and to realize that there is more to life and faith that human beings have an important role to play in the ongoing Easter story that is still being written today. For those of us who believe that God is still speaking and is still writing the Easter story today, let me ask you a question. What does it look like to be an improvisational Christian? You know, one who may not always get it right, but who's willing to be creative and even just do what it takes to be loving, even if we're not doctrinally pure, all of the rest. What does it take? What would it look like for you and I just to own it? Well, honestly, it feels a little scary when you're first learning to live out your faith without all the rules printed out for you. You know, without all the certainty, without all the dogma. But once you try it, you may never go back. I call it the jazz of Easter. You know, something smack dab in the middle of the Apostle Paul's letters, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, that he wrote to the early Christians in Corinth, the Apostle launches into a song and verse, actually a complete symphony, about the nature of what it means to be the church. He says... There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who activates all of them in everyone. Did you catch the main melody of that song? One Spirit. One God. That's the melody. That's the bass line of the claim. But there are countless varieties of expressions of what that looks like in action. There are countless varieties of service that we can offer one another in the name of God, all inspired by God. But you see, each and every single one of us is a special kind of masterpiece in and of ourselves because we were all created unique in all that we offer the world through the gifts God has given to each one of us. Now, it is less threatening for many Christians just to try to all conform and to all be just the same and all think the same. And, and everything else has to be uniform and conform. But this, my friends, was never God's design. God made us different from one another so that more beauty is added to the world. Diversity makes the song of humanity so much richer, so much sweeter and fuller. If conformity were expected of us by God, if we all had exactly the same story, Life would be monotone and flat. But that's not how it is. And Paul brings home this melody to give us a baseline in Corinthians for living out our uniqueness when he wrote the next chapter in his letter to the Corinthians. And he said these famous words. I bet you've heard these. Now faith, hope, 
and love abide, these three gifts, but the greatest of these is love. Did you hear it? Love is the melody, but the jazz, the pizzazz, well, that, my friends, is up to each of us. God provides the melody, but we offer our own expressions. We offer our own jazz to the story. It is if now starting, if it's just now starting to click for you, welcome to the wonderful jazz we call Easter. Jesus does something very similar in his teaching to the Apostle Paul. When he asked which he was asked which commandment is the greatest of all of these commands, Jesus replied, Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And friends, the rest is just commentary because love is the melody. Love is the theme. All the rest is improvisational. It's like jazz. The Christian life and faith are not a script of rules that we're supposed to follow. Love is the melody. Love is the foundational tune. Love God. Love neighbor as yourself. The rest... It's our opportunity to step off the printed page if we dare and to improvise with our God-given unique gifts and expressions. It's terrifying. It's also terrific and freeing. It's so unlike the pressure of having to line up our lives with someone else's rule book and script. It, it can also be scary, but once you try it, oh, you might become a jazz fan. Some of us have been so accustomed to a legalistic brand of Christianity, it's almost in the water in this part of the country, that we may sometimes wish there were a score all written out for us because it just feels safer. You know, rules give us a chance to have certainty. Religious expectations, you know, and all the rest. But when the notes are all written out for us and we're just going by rote and by note, it provides a certain sense of security, but the problem is it's false security. The problem is when we're living our lives that way without the ability to improvise, we never exercise our God-given creativity and freedom of spirit that God has placed in each and every one of us to share with the world. In other words, we're not playing half the notes in our repertoire. We're merely existing when we live by someone else's script we're not truly living. I wish I could provide you the, the music for the jazz that awaits you, dear friends, but I, I can't give you that. God has placed it within you, and it's up to each of us to find it and to celebrate it and to share it. Say, for example, that your loved one dies, and you find yourself immersed in grief. And you ask, why did this happen? Where in the world is God in all of this? And how in the world does my faith help? What do I do now, preacher? And as a minister, all I can do is love you and pray with you and stand with you and cry with you or laugh with you. But I can't provide you the melody line, the major theme. I might say to you that nothing in all of creation can separate you from the love of God, neither life, nor death, nor grief, nor loss, nor anything else. And that's the melody line. But I cannot provide you the notes that soar off the printed page so that you can improvise your way through pain or through grief. You and God and your closest 
have to work out your salvation, as Paul said another place, with fear and with trembling through those dark days. We can all stand together, but we can't answer for one another. The authors who wrote the Easter story in the four Gospels we call Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were doing what they were created to do. They found their own inspiration. They shared their own expressions of this sacred story. And the details, they were different. Even though the melody was the same. The melody of Easter says, there is always something more. The melody of Easter says that the worst thing that can ever happen to you in this life is never the last thing that will happen to you in this life or the life to come. Easter means that there is always more life at the end of what appears to be our own personal road. Easter, jazz, calls us to play faster, higher, louder, or softer, lower, slower, or longer than maybe we ever have before. There are notes to be played that are more than just the melody, my friends. And these notes in life will never be played so long as we're trying to live our lives by someone else's score. Sometimes life to the full that Jesus calls us to requires a bit of improvisation. My dear friends, God did not make you the way that you are right now by mistake. God made us all beautifully and masterfully different so that that way when we live our lives together all of the notes of God's masterpiece are present. God created you male and female, gay and straight, Black and white and brown, dark-haired, blonde-haired, no-haired. Thin and plump and tall and short and quiet or loud and extroverted or introverted. We were created to contribute our unique offerings known as our lives and our gifts to the creation all around us. We were not created for conformity. We were created for creativity and for life. As Jesus said, abundant and free. Some of us still struggle because we've been told we just had to play the notes on the page. The pages we've been given, usually by really controlling religious people. I guess that's okay. I've got another song in mind. Maybe I've been sent to tell you to not be afraid. And that there are notes, my friend, that you can play with your life you haven't even tried yet. The good news is, whoever we are, wherever we are on our journeys, there is room enough in the band for us all. Whether we are still figuring things out and missing lots of notes, or whether we are master improvisers, there is room enough in the band for each and every one of us. And on Easter, God called Jesus out of the tomb. How exactly? I may never know. But on Easter, God calls us beyond the ordinary, boring song and script someone else wrote and placed in our hands. Easter broke all the preconceived notions. Before Easter, dead people were supposed to stay dead. They don't break the rules because the rules have already broken them. But on Easter... God calls us to reach beyond the dead, beyond the ordinary and the mundane, and calls us to look towards a freedom that can be both frightening and liberating that never settles for the status quo. Brian McLaren wrote a book title which sums up, I think, what I'm trying to say. His book, you should check it out, is called 
we make the road by walking. To stick to our jazz motif, I guess we could say, you make the music by playing. Beyond the printed page, my friends, there are more notes to be played for those who dare. And there's so much love and there's so much life to be lived that it cannot be contained on the printed page. It requires improvisation. That's why I call it the jazz of Easter. Now this sermon is ending. This is where you say amen. But I pray that for each of us, our own Easter stories are just beginning. Death did not silence the Jesus song, and neither life nor death can silence the song that God has placed in our hearts that calls us to live life abundantly, free, just beyond the printed page. Now, ordinarily I'd wrap this up and I'd say amen at the end of this sermon today. But because the jazz of Easter is just getting started, instead of amen, I thought we'd try this. A one, a two, a one, two, three, four.